0: You're listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church, a relevant biblical community. For more information, visit Houston'sFirst.org. But If you got your Bible, I want you to turn to 1 Timothy, chapter 6 is where we're going to be. Believe it or not, we're going to wrap up 1 Timothy today, which is so exciting. We love going through books of the Bible to be able to take it from 1 Timothy 1-1 all the way to 1 Timothy 6, verse 21, and go through each of those verses and have a great time with that. And we're going to be really creative in the new year. We're going to do 2 Timothy right after 1 Timothy. So we're really getting creative, but it's going to be great. It's been an awesome, awesome journey. These are Paul's last words, not in the whole Scripture. That's going to come in 2 Timothy. But he didn't know he was going to get to write another letter to Timothy. So these are some final words to this young pastor named Timothy, that he's the pastor of the church of Ephesus. And so he gives these last words. Last words are important. Winston Churchill said to his son-in-law, his last words, I'm so bored with it all, is what Winston Churchill said. Bob Marley said to his son before he died of cancer, the reggae singer, he said, money can't buy life, is what he said. And we're going to get here some wisdom from the apostle Paul going to Timothy. And we're going to see as we finish this place of first Timothy. So look, if you will, first Timothy chapter six, verse 17 through 19 is what we'll start with. Then we'll hit 20 and 21. Here's what it says. Instruct those who are rich in this present age, not to be arrogant or set their hope on the uncertainty of wealth, but on God who richly provides for us all things to enjoy, underline to enjoy. Instruct those to do good, instruct them to do what is good and to be rich in good works. Be generous and willing to share, storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of what is truly life. Here's where Paul is going with this. He's been taking us through First Timothy. We get to this last chapter. The First Timothy, uh, chapter 1, was basically saying, look, look out for false teaching. Chapter 2 and 3 was saying, here's how I want you to build the church and the organization of it. Chapter 4, I want you to be an example. Chapter 5, don't forget about the widows. And chapter 6, I want you to look out for your heart, particularly with money. He talked about at the beginning of this chapter a couple weeks ago, don't lust after money. Don't love money. Be content with what God's given you, where God, has, how God has made you and where God has placed you. And so walk with that contentment. And now he comes and he says, now to those that are rich, to those that are rich, I've got some encouragement for you. Here's the first point I want to give you though, is this, generous lives overflow from a generous God. Generous lives overflow from a generous God. God has been so good to us. He's given us so many things. And here we have Paul saying, now, how do you have in your life, how do you walk as a person that's that's rich? Now, here's the deal. All of us are thinking, well, this isn't for me. I'm not rich. This is for somebody else. I I know some rich people and they need to hear this. And even folks that you say, I know some rich people, those people that you think are rich, they know some other people that are rich, they know some other people that are rich, and everybody's just pointing it down the way. Let me just tell you this, all of us are rich. We live in the richest time in all of history, in the richest country of all of history, in a prosperous state with oil underneath our feet history. And here we have, we are all rich. Let me give you just a couple examples of this the federal income uh, poverty level for the U.S. federal poverty income level for a family of four is $30,000. If you make more than $30,000 and you have a family of four, then you're not considered poor. You're con- considered uh, in America to be above the poverty line. Um, if you were in there, you would still be in the top 19% of wealth in all of the world in the poverty line, below the poverty line here in the United States. At this rate, if you were to think about this, you would be four times more wealthy than the global median. So $60,000, if you make $60,000 or more, you're in the top 1% of global wealth. If you make $19,000 or more, you're in the top 10%. Of global wealth. We're all rich. And if you're not even in that category, still just living in America, but we've got in our mind that, you know what rich people do? Uh, they've got this, this, that, and the other, all these things. But you know what rich people do in the world? Here's what rich people do in the world. They open up their cabinets and they say, I don't have anything to eat. I'm starving and it's filled. That's what rich people do. You ever do that? I do that. Rich people walk into closets and say, they're filled with clothes. I got nothing to wear. Let me order something, buy something else. Rich people, they drive cars places they don't walk. So that's not us, right? We all walked here today. No, we are rich. We are wealthy. We do have so much. Now, here's what is interesting about this. Because when we think about this, this can bring some guilt to us. Okay, where are we? Is this where this message is going? I don't know if I really want this message right now. Where Where is it going? Here's where it's going is this. Is Paul's not telling you to sell everything. He's gonna tell us to steward everything. And Jesus, with the rich young ruler, he's gonna say sell everything because he knew that was a part of his heart and he had to get that bitter root out. Paul is saying, look, if you're rich in this present age, let me tell you how to have true life because I want you to really live this life well. And so he's not saying sell everything. He's saying steward everything, meaning it belongs to God. Here's the point. Paul is not anti-money. Paul is not anti-money. He's anti-vanity, pride, and he's anti-false security away from God. So he's anti-vanity. He's anti-pride. He's anti-false security. What he's wanting us to have instead of uncertainty, he wants us to have certainty. Instead of limited, he wants to have us richly provided for by the Lord. Instead of temporary joy, he wants us to have eternal impact. So here's what happens. When we get prideful, it's a separator. And when we get false security, it's a separator and it'll separate you from the things that bring you true life. So let's take it one at at a time. If you're walking in vanity, if you're walking in pride and you're arrogant about all the stuff that you have and you're walking in that, it's gonna separate you from people. And you're going to begin to look down on people. They're not like as good as me. They haven't worked as hard as me. They didn't earn it quite like I did it. And it's going to be kind of, well, I I just go to these places and I just do these things. Now, none of us like crowds and none of us like lines. I get that. But you can get all the way over where you get so separated. It's a very small world in a small pool. And so what's happened is the people that God wants to have you impact, you're now separated from that impact. So now let's take false security. I don't want to be secure in God. I want to be secure in my own stuff and what I have. So now I'm going to separate myself from God. So now I'm separated from God. I've got this taken care of. I'm separated from man and woman because I'm getting over here. And now I'm separated from the two things that actually bring me joy. A great relationship with God and a great connection with people. And that to be what's going to be amazing about Thanksgiving. I hope for you, you're going to get some people around the table and you're going to actually connect, not separate But we end up in our pride and we end up separating ourselves. Now we think we're not rich because we know globally we're rich and biblically we're rich. If we have food or clothing, Timothy tells us earlier in chapter six, food and clothing, we should be content. But here's our problem. Locally, we're not rich. We're not comparing ourselves to people globally. We're not looking at our hearts biblically. We're looking at the car that just pulled up at the light next to us. And we're comparing locally. God's not calling us to sell it all. He's calling us to steward it all so that we can have connection with people and we can have connection with God as well and make that connect. Now, listen to this, this quote talking about separating from people about pride. There's a book called Gospel Patrons. Um, it's by John Reinhard. It's a great book. And uh, here's what he says. He tells a story of a lady named uh, Lady Huntingdon and she was an aristocrat in Great Britain in the 1800s. And as Americans, we love picking on Britain, all right? So we get to do that a little bit here, So which is really great. So she is an aristocrat, what you think, 1800 hoop skirts, fancy, fancy, but she used her platform. She was a believer, very wealthy, used her platform. She would invite all of the politicians, the actors, and even royalty, the Prince of Wales, not the one we know, but way back in 1800s, came to her house to hear George Whitfield talk about the gospel and share Christ with him. So amazing lady. Well, she shared Christ in kind of a vacation area where all the rich would go and play. She shared Christ with this one lady. That lady's uh, name was the Duchess of Buckingham. So Lady Huntingdon shares Christ with the Duchess of Buckingham. And the Duchess writes this letter back. See if you can see the pride. It's monstrous to be told that you have a sinful heart. As common as the wretches that crawl on the earth. This is highly offensive and insulting to those of us with a high rank and good breeding. See it? You don't get into heaven because you're lady of such and such or duchess or whatever. And so she was offended that you would even share the gospel that I need Christ because she had so separated her Self from the common and so found security in her title that she was separated and pulled back. Let's don't be like that. We've got to walk in a way of saying God provides for us and we wanna walk in the journey of letting him do that, not pride of false security, not vanity of separating us from people, but embracing. Do you know, I, I hate to tell you this, this is bad news for you, but do you know this? We could all be broke in a week. You know that? I mean, the way world events happen, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just trying to tell you where it is. It could be done in a week, two weeks, a month, a year. Wait, just pick your time. Don't trust in the stock market. Don't trust in your investments. Don't trust in, you know, invest, save, do all that stuff. Don't trust in it. Trust in God. And God alone, because everything else has wings, God will never fail you or forsake you. He's the same yesterday and forever. No one can snatch you from his hand. He is your God. He is your savior. He dwells in your heart for all of eternity so that we don't have pride, we have joy, we don't have false security, we have true security and we walk in true life. Now, let me give you the formula for what true life looks like. It's a math problem. Here it is. True life equals enjoyment which as I get from the end of verse 17, God provides us with all things to enjoy. Plus generosity, I get from verse 18, be generous plus eternal impact that you would store up treasures for yourself as a good foundation for the coming age. So he's not saying sell it all. He's saying steward it all. And if you want to have real life, which is found at the end of verse uh, 19, so that you may take hold of what is truly life. What is true life? True life is enjoyment. I hope your Thanksgiving, and I'm hoping my Thanksgiving, there's at least three pies to choose from, right? It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. That'd be great. Some good rolls, some good turkey, some good ham, whatever you like to be able to have that you're going to enjoy and have a blast with that. Not I heard a message and I feel so guilty. No, enjoy it because you're stewarding it well. And then be generous as well. The generosity, we're a generous church. I'll show you more of that in just a moment. And then have eternal impact. You can't take it with you, but you could sure send it forward and allow God to do his work in your life. Storing up treasure, not on earth, but storing up treasure in heaven. Earthly treasure fades, eternal treasure lasts forever. A.W. Tozer put it like this. Any temporal pleasure, or possession can be turned into everlasting wealth. Whatever is given to Christ is immediately touched with immortality, meaning it's eternal. Kids, those toys aren't your toys. Those are God's toys that he's given you the ability to have. Adults, your stuff's not your stuff. It's God's stuff that he gave you. And we think, well, but I earned it. This is my stuff. I'm the one that earned it. Well, not really. I want you to listen to Deuteronomy chapter 8. You can read it later. I just want you to hear this. It's a great. They're about to go into the promised land. So this is Israel going into the promised land. So we, we love and support Israel. And here they're going into the promised land. And so here we have in verse 11, it says, Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God by failing to keep his commandments or ordinances that I'm giving you. Listen. When you eat and are full and build beautiful houses to live in and your herds and your flocks grow and your silver and gold multiply and everything else you have increases, be careful that your heart does not become proud and you forget the Lord, verse 14. Jump to verse 17. You may say to yourself, my power and my own ability has gained this wealth for me. But remember, that the Lord your God gives you the power to gain wealth in order to confirm his covenant he swore to your ancestors as today. So Shaquille O'Neal, I'm sure, shot a lot of shots, but who made him nine feet tall, right? We can all get back and to be able to say, God's given me the ability, he's given me the, the, the opportunity to be able to do this. So yes, succeed wildly, but know that it's a gift of God to be stewarded for him. Do you see the difference? Now the heart is right. And at that moment, then you will truly enjoy it. Because it'll be real, it'll be true, it'll be from your heart to his heart. Now, let me give you a funny story uh, of my personal life. Embarrassing story, not a good story, but uh, a funny story nonetheless. I grew up uh, right here in Houston, and so I decided I'm about 15 years old, and I'm about 14, 15 years old, and I'm like, you know, I'm just gonna, I gotta, I gotta get another level up, right? I, 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 I'm, you know, it's not gonna be sports for me. I'm gonna have to work on my personality. I'm gonna have to get some other things going on to make this thing real get where I want to go in this deal. So I I decide, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to get a Gucci watch is what I'm going to do. This is going to be awesome. It's kind of, you know, the days of all the preppy stuff. So I'm going to get a Gucci watch and this is going to be awesome. This will send me, I'm just a middle-class boy from the apartments and townhomes of of Southwest Houston. Okay. That's my upbringing. That's kind of where I come from. And so I was like, I'm going to get a Gucci watch. So I went to the Galleria. I went to the Gucci store in the Galleria and I went, whoa. That's a lot of money for a Gucci watch. I did not know. And then one of my friends said, Hey, I know a guy. And there's this flea market. If you're a Houstonian, see if you know where this is. There's this flea market off 59 South, oddly placed right next to the Ferrari store. I don't know how that works. And so he says, why don't we go down there to the flea market and we'll see if we can get you a Gucci watch there. I'm like, that's a great idea. So I head down to the, to the flea market on 59 South. That was kind of my, my road heading Southwest Houston. So 59 South, I get to the, to the flea market. And so then I meet a guy and he opens up his jacket, you know, and yeah, I'm just kidding. It wasn't that bad. But I get there and I look and here's all these Gucci watches for $30. What a deal. Now, it had three C's in Gucci, you know, written on the watch face. It's like G U C C C C C I. know it actually had two C's, but I, I got it. And so I was like, this is great. This is awesome. So I get my Gucci watch. I think this is awesome. This is wonderful. I put it on my arm. I'm like, this is rocking. This is great. I show up to school in the shortest, I mean, probably not even a sleeveless shirt I might have been wearing. I don't know what I was wearing, but I, I, I was rocking. It's like, oh, uh, you want me to be on the chalkboard? Okay, here it is uh, that way. I mean, all these sort of things. And so I get on the bus. To go home, okay? Because all rich people with Gucci watches ride the school bus home, right, <laughs> to their apartments complex in leaf, okay, is what you have. So I'm rocking it. We're in the back. We're with the cool kids. We're kicking it back there. We're standing up. We're talking. I bump my arm on the on the seat, and the face of the Gucci 3C watch goes flying off, <laughs> flying off. Boy, i boing, on you. Me on springs, face glass. Whole thing, made in China sticker, probably flying off with it. I mean, not made in Italy. And so here it is, it's flying off. And then, so then one kid, because kids are always real nice, right? They go, I knew that was a fake. (laughs) So what do I do? Well, I'm not only a fake, now I'm gonna become a liar. No, it's not. It's not a fake. I'm taking that back to the Galleria and I'm telling them what's up with that. They're not gonna do me like that. There's no way, man, I paid so much money for this. So now I'm a fake and a liar and everybody knows it, right? On the whole yellow dog school bus happening. Well, finally I saved up enough money back in that day. It was 200 bucks, saved up enough money and I bought my Gucci watch, the real deal. And I lost it. I don't know where it is. Has wealth ever failed you? You ever thought it was going to be the thing? That was going to be the thing. That was the thing. And you lost it or it broke or you were trying so hard. It was just flat out fake. It's just fake. And I just tell you, that's not where true life is found. It's not living a lie. It's living the truth. It's not living, try to get attention. It's living with stewardship of saying, Lord, thank you so much for whatever you've given me. And we've got all sorts of everywhere in our city. Whatever you've given me, I give it back to you. It's stewardship. That's what Paul's getting at. Where he says, look, those who are rich in this present age, don't be arrogant. Don't set your hope on things, uh, the uh, false security of wealth. Instead, be rich in good works. Be rich in the things that matter. Yes, enjoy. Yes, have a great time. Yes, all those things are blessing. But know that God is doing something deeper in your heart and he wants to do something deeper in your life than just accumulating stuff. Because it's going to break, it's going to fade, and it's really fake when you get the whole deal together. Our church has been doing this the last couple years in particular, for many years, but in Kainos, and it's been amazing to see what God's done, and we'll celebrate on December 3rd, and I'll share with you some of these same stats, and we'll be just as excited about it, but it just fits right here in the message. In the last couple years, let me just tell you a couple things that have happened just this year, just one year out of our two years at Kainos, about us stewarding not selfish, but stewarding. And I want you to know this, and I really thought about this, so I really want you to hear my heart on this. I want you to know this because we're asking you as a church to give. We're asking you as a church to trust the Lord. We're asking you as a church to take a step. So I want to I want you to know well, what's been happening? What's God done? How's it worked out? What's been happening? So in the last year, one, we're up in attendance 17% from last year to this year over all campuses. And just hold your applause because you're gonna want to cheer in a whole bunch of stuff. Let me tell you some cool stuff that's happened. We've had almost to give you round numbers, we've had almost A thousand baptisms, 942 baptisms. I don't ever remember a year that we've had a thousand baptisms. We've had 5,000 kids attend vacation Bible school. We've had uh, 450 adults go on mission trips. We've had, and I want you to cheer for this one in just a second. We've had 1,800, just about 1,788, 1,800 first time givers to give to the church in their generosity. Can we just cheer for them? That's a hard one to do. It's hard to take that step. And we cheer for those other things as well. We've got 6,700 total givers. And what we call is like a giving unit. It's like a family of four. That that would be one out of those 6,700. So everybody's jumping in. So proud of us. Look at what God's done. And so what's happened? Well, talk about local missions. Just we can talk about 100 things. Let's talk about local missions. We've had 3,000 volunteer shifts of serving people that need food and clothing, basically, and help in our town. We've had over 3,000 volunteer shifts to be able to have. We've had 11,488 gospel conversations. We've had over 1,500 salvations, people trusting Christ as their savior. We've given away 3 million pounds of food. We've given money to people that are in need. And I know I just said the thing that we're all rich, but there is a struggle. It costs a lot to live here in America too. So there are people that legitimately are struggling. And we don't negate that. I'm not gonna say, well, you're rich. You know, I mean, that's not... We want to help them. And so people that come need their electricity bill pay, they need help in some way. We've helped, you know that you're, you've given, we've given, us, we've given, our church has given $850,000 away this year to be able to help people that are in need. And the number of people that have been impact, impacted, that they've received some type of service from us, some type of help. This is outside the doors of our church people, okay? This isn't, I, most of it in, in people in our church. Over 40 thousand people this year by our stewardship have been helped and impacted by our church. That's an amazing thing. We now, I want you to cheer. Let's cheer for that. That's amazing. <laughs> hey, I don't tell you that for vanity. In, hey, look what a great church we are. I don't tell you that for false security. We got it all together. I tell you that for the work of God. And church, hear me loud and clear. If we ever are not trusting in the work and the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit of God, we've missed it. We missed the whole thing. If we find our security in buildings, if we find our security in in programming, we have missed it. We have to find our security in God. A pastor from South Korea where God's done so much came to America and they toured him around American churches, showed him all this stuff. And then they kind of proudly said, well, what do you think? And this is what he said. It's amazing what the American church can do without the Holy Spirit. Woo. Let's don't be that church. Let's don't be that church. Let's trust God and let's make a difference in our lives, our kids' lives, everybody around us' lives, but also in our hearts for the city as well. And we've got to, guys and gals, we've got to guard that. God's doing a special work in our church and we've got to guard that. And that's exactly what Paul's going to tell Timothy in verse 20. Look at verse 20. He says this, Now, Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you. Avoid irreverent, empty speech and contradictions from what is falsely called knowledge. Don't get into all that chatter. Don't don't listen to the Temple of Diana people in his city in Ephesus is what's going on. Just stay away from all that. Why? Verse 21, "By, by professing it, that's the false stuff, Some people have departed from the faith. Grace be with you all. Here's your points. We're going to move through this fast. Guard the gospel and use your spiritual gift at all cost. St. Timothy, I want you to guard the gospel. What's the gospel? Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. He died on a cross. He was buried in a tomb. He rose again, and you can trust him for salvation and eternity. You guard that gospel, the simple truth of the gospel. And Timothy, I want you to guard the gift that I've put, that has been put in you through the Holy Spirit with the laying on of hands, is what it says in a previous chapter. I want you to pastor this church. I want you to use your gifts. And so I just ask you this are you guarding the gospel? Are you using your spiritual gifts? Are you at a, a moment that God's using you? And are you are you involved? Are you connected? That's where true life's going to come. Well, what's a spiritual gift? Let me just name a few: administration, discernment, evangelism, exhortation, faith, giving, healing, helps, knowledge, hospitality, leadership, mercy, prophecy, serving, uh, teaching, and and shepherding, wisdom. I mean, we go on and on. There's more even than that. But are we, are you active in that? And so I feel more alive when I'm teaching than any other time in my life. It's, it's my spiritual gift, it's a blessing. It's a blessing to you as well, but it's a blessing to me to be able to say, God, I want you to, to use me in that way. I want you to use me. Don't separate me from the people. Don't give me false, I don't want false security. I want to be right here connected with God and connected with men and women so that you can use me. I can steward my spiritual gift. I can steward my money. I can steward my resources to make a difference. Now this word of God, listen to this, it's so great. It's a phrase used in Greco-Roman literature, and it means this, the entrusting of some commodity, okay, to a person who will ensure its safekeeping. Okay, that makes sense. And will eventually return it to its owner. See the difference? So Timothy, I want you to guard the gospel. I'm giving it to you. I want you to guard your gift, but I want you to eventually return it back to me. God, this is yours. God's given you stuff. God's given you possessions. God's given you money, whatever it is. We're all rich in this present age. He's given it to us. Why? So that we can return it back to Him. Not sell it all, steward it all and say, God, it belongs to you. We guard things that are valuable. We guard our phone. We guard with our passwords, all these different things. I mean, growing up, I didn't, I didn't have a password for anything in my life. I got so many passwords. I'm always clicking. Forgot your password? Yes. Right? <laughs> I mean, don't we all? You know, the, the number one password is 123456789. That's not a very good guarding. He says, I want you to guard the trust. Guard the trust. Let me give you three application points as we begin to land the plane here. Number one, take a step of generosity this week. Our series is called Application Points, so I want to give you some clear ones. Take a step of generosity this week. If you're not a part of giving through Kynos and making a difference in our church, then jump in. Hey, you could be in right at the end. Last time, December, you jump in. We've been at it two years. We're going to end December 31st. Jump in right now with us. That's great. There's no problem with that. Jump in. We like to say you don't give to the church. You give through the church to all the things I just talked about. It's not something God wants from you. It's something God wants for you in generosity. So be generous this week. Today, we've got presents that we're bringing in for the Christmas store, walk through the lawn at the Loop, um, those at the Loop campus and see all that, that we've already been given. We're gonna give those gifts away. They're gonna to go to, to people that, that don't have uh, means to be able to buy gifts for their kids. We're gonna wrap them for them. They're gonna take them home. They're gonna unwrap them on Christmas and no one's gonna mention our church. The kid's gonna say, thanks mom, thanks dad. And the dad's gonna smile. And that's exactly how we want it. It's exactly how we want it. We don't want a bit of credit. Just walk through and see that. Be generous. Give somebody a good tip this week. Not like a tip. Hey, make sure you tie your shoes first before you A real tip, like money, okay? And say, hey, I just want to bless you. Just want to tell you Jesus can give you more. Whatever you want to say, just put something with the Lord in it and give it to Him to be able to do that. That's a great thing. Number two, beware of compromise to God's word. We're talking about guarding things. Take a step of generosity this week. Guarding, beware of compromise to God's word. Let me give you an illustration. If you were to fly from Washington D.C. to Seattle, northeast to northwest, and you were one degree off, you would land in San Diego. One, just wonder. Well, what's one degree? What does it matter? One degree, one degree. You'd land in San Diego. We've got to stand true on this word. That's why I preach books of the Bible. That's why we have life Bible study. That's why we're a relevant biblical community, not Greg's opinion. God's word is what we're standing on. And this makes all the difference because we don't want a degree off. And if you looked around to today's Christianity, we're like 50 degrees off. We're just making up stuff. Bad theology is like a bullet. It goes in small and it comes out big. And we're watching years of bad theology and non-biblical preaching, and we're seeing it come to roost. Guard the word of God. Do not compromise. One degree, you're going to San Diego. Number three, beware of the warning. Beware of the warning. Paul gives him a a warning in verse 21. He said, by professing it, some people have departed from the faith. False stuff, it brings a departing from the faith. It doesn't say you're going to lose your salvation. Just means you're gonna drift from what your salvation wants to do in you. Last thing I wanna tell you, and we're gonna wrap up, we'll be done. He ends this whole book. How's he gonna end this whole book? I mean, chapter one, false teaching. Chapter two and three, organization of the church. Chapter four, be an example. Chapter five, don't forget about the widows. Chapter six, don't let the love of money get in your heart. And if you got some money, don't put your trust in it. How's he gonna end this whole thing? I mean, I kinda always think about Paul, it's like a rough and tumble guy. I think when we get to heaven, meet him, i gonna be like, That do good, Paul? You okay? You good with me? You know, I mean, like, he seems like a rough dude. How does he end it? He ends it by this. He says, grace, grace be with you all. Paul's a Texan. It even ends with y'all, right? (laughs) Grace be with y'all. Grace with you is always enough for you. Grace with you is always enough for you. So let me give you this last thing and we're done. I've thought about this. It's not just a cute salutation. It's a powerful five words. Grace be with you. We don't outgrow grace. We grow within grace. We don't graduate from grace. We're sustained by grace. Here's what I wrote down that I've thought about these different phrases. Grace be with you. Grace be with you in your Christmas grief. Grace be with you in your family dynamics. Grace be with you in your doubt and discouragement. Grace be with you that right now you're trapped in sin. Grace. Grace be with you in your fears. Grace be with you in your mental health struggles. Grace be with you in your anxiety. Grace be with you in your people pleasing. Grace be with you in your fake Gucci watch wearing Grace be with you. God's unmerited, unearned favor is how Paul ends this whole thing. Timothy, grace to you. I give it to you. Do you see what he's done in chapter six? Beginning, he said, don't don't love money. Don't make it your first priority. It'll, It'll never satisfy. Don't do that. And if you got a little bit over here, rich in this present age, don't you trust in that Don't you separate yourself from people. You're not that. You're not that. You didn't do this. You receive it as a blessing. You steward it with an open hand and enjoy it. Enjoy it. What a blessing. Enjoy it. Look at the opportunities God may give you. What a blessing. I say it like this all the time. No pride, just joy. No pride, just joy. When I feel a little sense of pride, no no pride, just joy. Just joy. I want to enjoy it. I want to be generous and I want it to be made. Used for eternal impact. That, my friend, is Paul's last words in First Timothy. We'll get 2 Timothy. That he gives him of how true life is really found. So give up the fake Gucci. Nobody cares. You know that? Think about it. So many things in your life you're worried about. Nobody cares. You walk with God and let God do his work through you, and you'll find security and connection and true life. As you say, Lord, thank you, you bless me and I just want to give it back to you. How, how can I use this for your glory, for enjoyment and all these things? Lord, I give it to you. In Jesus, this is yours. Father, we come in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord. You blessed us. We live in America. You bless us that we drove to church today. We're sitting in a climate-controlled room. And we don't bring that to be some type of weird Christian guilt. We bring that to be Christian gratitude. And Father, the times that we begin to walk in vanity, and we got to win the game on the school bus, crucify our flesh in that moment, Lord. It's not worth it. The times, Lord, where we find false security and how many commas or how many zeros, We just want to tell you we're secure in you, God. It's all yours. We give it back to you. We love you, Lord. In this time of thanksgiving, we give thanks. And we are so grateful that there's grace upon us all when we trust in Jesus as our Savior. Take a moment, congregation, before we sing just one closing song. Did God speak something to you today? Did you just say, I heard you? Is there a place of vanity or false security? Would you pray that you would walk in generous ways because of the deep grace of God? Just tell him it's all his. We love you, Lord. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church. We invite you to worship with us at one of our four locations at The Loop, Cypress, Downtown, or Siena. Follow us on social media or visit us online at houstonsfirst.org.